This WBEZ podcast is supported by Ravinia, with over 100 concerts under the stars this summer, including Daryl Hall and Elvis Costello, Nora Jones with special guest Mavis Staples, the Beach Boys with special guest John Stamos, Shaggy and TLC, Jason Isbell and the 400 Unit, the Chicago Symphony Orchestra, and more. Their 30-acre park is nestled in a gently wooded area. Bring your own picnic or eat at one of the park restaurants. Tickets available now only at ravinia.org. This WBEZ podcast is supported by the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Suicide is a topic that hides in the shadows. It's time we talk away the dark, learn how to spot the warning signs for suicide, and how you can have an open, caring, real conversation to help save lives. Visit the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention to watch the new short film and learn more at AFSP.org slash talkawaythedark. An essential abortion drug could become unavailable for those seeking reproductive care. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. The drug mifepristone is used in nearly all medication abortions in the U.S., as well as to help patients manage miscarriages. But access to the drug is now under threat after a federal judge in Texas filed an injunction that undoes the medication's FDA approval. In response, the Biden administration issued a motion to prevent the common drug from being banned. And a separate federal judge in Washington state gave a contradictory ruling to the one in Texas. To make sense of the legal chaos and what access to this important drug may look like, we're speaking with Lee Hasselbacker, director of the University of Chicago's Center for Interdisciplinary Inquiry and Innovation in Sexual and Reproductive Health. Lee, to start, why was this drug on the docket and why focus specifically on mifepristone? Well, as you mentioned, you know, medication abortion is currently the most common way that people access abortion in the U.S., and mifepristone is um, one of two drugs that are used in medication abortion. And, you know, for a number of years, mifepristone has um, been both approved by the FDA, but also under some regulations that made it sort of specially restricted. So that governed how um, doctors could prescribe it, where that could be dispensed, how patients need to be counseled, things like that. So it's already been a drug that was pretty highly scrutinized and regulated for a long time. And I think, you know, um, there's been some changes in the last couple of years in terms of um, lifting some of these requirements. So the FDA did review following some changes during the pandemic when, um, you know, lots of doctors were switching to provide telehealth services. So they lifted some of these in-person dispensing requirements. And so, you know, at that time, the FDA did this big, you know, sort of review of the evidence and really um, affirmed that the medication is safe, effective, and that some of these restrictions are no longer needed. Mm -hmm. So I think that is in part what triggered, you know, additional scrutiny now on this drug by those who are opposed to abortion and would like to to restrict taxes. So tell us more about the, the Texas ruling on Friday. What happened? Sure. Yeah. Well, then there's actually two rulings on Friday. So um, one came out of Texas and one came out of Washington. Um, and the, the order in Texas that came out um, is really pretty unprecedented. Um, in this case, a group of doctors who oppose abortion sued the FDA and basically asked the court to stay or suspend the FDA's approval of misopristone, which has been in place for you know more than 20 years already. And this is exactly what the judge's order did. Um, he ordered that the approval be suspended and that would be effective seven days later, so this coming Friday. Um, and this gave the FDA a week to appeal the decision, which which they've already done. Um, and the FDA asked the appeals court to, to issue their decision by tomorrow to um, potentially give time for it to even go before the Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. Um, How does one federal judge in, in Texas essentially get to decide about this drug for the whole country? 
Yeah, and it's really interesting because, um, you know, one thing to also point out is that, you know, Texas already bans abortion. So um, the outcome of this decision really isn't even going to change anything in Texas. It's really going to be affecting those states where abortion is still legal mm-hmm. and it's going to make potentially methoprostone more difficult to access. Um, but yet you're, you're, you're pointing out what has been really interesting, which is how did, you know, how did this end up before this judge? And it really, as I mentioned, is, you know, um, kind of without any, any other precedent. There has never been a court that has ordered the FDA to, you know, unapprove a drug. Um, usually if, you know, a drug does have its um, approval listed, it goes through an administrative process, experts review the evidence, things like that. And in this case, it really, um, the judge's order would in fact just, you know, immediately remove that approval. Mm-hmm. Um, if it goes into effect. So we talked about this Texas ruling, the Washington state ruling. What could happen next, Lee? Like how likely is it that the ban on mifepristone will go into effect? It's hard to say. And we're really watching, you know, both the Texas case, as I mentioned, but also the Washington case. So the Washington, the order by the judge there actually is conflicting. So it actually orders um, FDA not to do anything to maintain the status quo to, to keep mifepristone available. And that um, case was brought by 17 states where abortion is still legal, and Illinois is one of those states. Um, so but there really is this, um, you know, conflict now that I think will have to be resolved by the courts. So people are watching to see, you know, what um, what the appeal process looks like in Texas and then how, you know, the, the judge in Washington responds to that. So a lot of attention on that this week and, mm-hmm. and to see what, what the next step is. How are abortion providers and other reproductive health professionals, how are they responding right now? Yeah, I mean, they're really kind of planning for a bunch of different possibilities. Um, You know, as I said, nothing is different right now. Today in Illinois, people can still access medication abortion with misopristone. Um, But, you know, everyone is kind of anticipating if this this, um, order goes into effect and misopristone becomes less available, you know, what can providers do? And one thing they're preparing is to switch to a different... um, Protocol, so using just mesoprostol, um, which is still effective and safe. Um, it may have a, some slight additional side effects and be a bit less effective, but it's still um, recommended by you know leading medical organizations as a safe and effective method. And then uh, also, you know, people can still continue to seek um, procedural abortions as well in Illinois. Right. Um, help us understand what that will look like, especially in Illinois. Right. Do you think the service providers here? would be affected in the same ways as other folks across the country? Like, how might the impact be different, if at all? Yeah, and I think there's some things that um, we're just learning about, even how drugs that are, if, if somehow it does go into effect and it's considered unapproved, it really affects the you know manufacture and distribution of the drug. So it'll be up to providers to really understand, um, both at the state level and across the country, what laws apply when you're now potentially um, handling a drug that doesn't have approval by the FDA, but is maybe still on your shelf or still in, you know, in circulation. So um, it's going to mean um, people having to review sort of state laws that, that govern unapproved drugs mm-hmm. um, and dig into, um, you know, what their institutions feel comfortable doing um, as they try to figure out the, how the laws apply to them. I want to zoom out a little bit, Lee. Talk about why some patients prefer medication or pill abortions. Yeah, um, and we've actually just done some research on this um, uh, where we interviewed 50 patients um, seeking abortion in Illinois, and we asked them just that question, you know, what goes into their um, choice of method? And, you know, we heard from them that, you know, it really gives them the opportunity to end their pregnancy in the privacy of their home often with, you know, some fewer barriers, even sometimes at a lower cost. 
Um, they really talked about, you know, after they've received a patient education, this is just maybe a method that works better for them, their insurance and um, costs that are related to that. Um, they also talked about, you know, having the opportunity to be at home with, you know, their chosen support people and, um, you know, just really have the experience be something that fits, you know, their desires and everything for that experience. Yeah. Um, and from other research, we also know that, you know, the availability of pills um, through telehealth and male medication is also an important factor. Yeah, and with the spotlight on, on abortion these days, uh, the privacy portion of that sounds like mm-hmm. it's super valuable right now. Yeah, yeah, and I think, you know, we had hoped to see before these cases that um, there would be an expansion of access to mifepristone because some of those um, restrictions had been lifted by the FDA. It meant that pharmacies might be able to offer it just like they do other medications. So, um, you know, we actually interviewed pharmacists um, around the country, and they, you know, pretty unanimously felt comfortable dispensing it just like other medications. They are drug experts. Um, So we had actually hoped the opposite might have happened in the future, that patients could, you know, get prescribed this medication and be able to pick it up at their pharmacy like any other drug. Um, But instead, we're now seeing this this sort of opposite situation coming up. And so that we're all on the same page, Lee, how exactly does mifepristone work? Well, I'm not a doctor. I do. I work alongside a number of doctors who could explain it um, probably better than I do. But, um, you know, misoprostone is usually taken first, and that um, starts to end the pregnancy. And then you usually take the misoprostol second, which um, begins, you know, coughing, cramping, and bleeding and allows the pregnancy to pass. So it's they're, they're drugs that work together um, to, to provide the most effective method. Mm-hmm. Um, again, misoprostol can do some of those same things. You have to take a little bit more of it. Um, you may experience some more like nausea and other side effects like that that go alongside of it. It's still, you know, deemed very safe and effective by the leading medical organizations. But, um, you know, really, if there's a preference, most doctors prefer to provide both of those in combination. Right. As I mentioned earlier in the intro, uh, mifepristone is used for more than just abortions, right, including mm-hmm. managing miscarriages. Mm-hmm. What happens yeah, if the ban is successful? Yeah, I think it's really going to be... Um, you know, there's a lot of questions that people are raising is how, how is, um, you know, if mifepristone is taken off the market or unavailable, that is, you know, removing a treatment option for patients with miscarriage. You know, does misoprostol then become a target for anti-abortion um, advocates because it still will be continued to use for abortion, but then has, as you mentioned, many other uses. It's used in treating miscarriage. It's used in inducing labor. Um, I know the, the doctors I talk to, they, they use it for many, many purposes. So I think there is a concern that this is a slippery slope. And as um, you know, if one drug can be removed, what to say many other drugs are mm-hmm. in question. Um, so, I mean, yeah, are there so, other options for, for women dealing with miscarriages? There are other combinations of medications, but, you know, the doctors are trying to provide the highest quality. So I think they really, um, you know, want to provide the most effective treatments. And, and currently, misoprostone and misoprostol are, are some of the most effective. We saw Roe v. Wade get overturned last summer. Now abortion medications are coming under fire. Talk about how your work has been affected by all of these events. Yeah, we definitely... Um, just really tried to understand the landscape, I think, as, as researchers and folks who are trying to understand the impact of what's happening. So, you know, we just I saw a report just the other day that was showing that Illinois has really become a destination for folks who can't access abortion in their home states. We've seen one of the greatest um, surges in people, you know, seeking abortion here because they can't access it where they're coming from. So um, that's something we're tracking and keeping track of and trying to understand what what those patients might need and what we can do to support them as they're seeking care here. Um, and I think the other thing that, you know, this makes me think of in particular this week is 
folks are, you know, looking at these big shifts in abortion access, but, um, you know, the, the, the actual impetus for the, the lawsuit from the anti-abortion doctors um, pushing for the removal of the approval is that they, they based it on, you know, this drug shouldn't be approved because pregnancy should not be viewed as an illness. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, we're seeing, you know, a rise in deaths and complications during pregnancy. Um, CDC data that just came out shows women and pregnant people are dying at higher rates from pregnancy-related causes than in most other high-income countries, and there's um, significant racial and ethnic disparities in these rates. Um, and just two days ago, you know, President Biden recognized this week as Black Maternal Health Week right. to draw attention specifically to the fact that um, Black women in the U.S. are three times more likely to die from pregnancy-related complications than white women. So, uh, you know, it's hard to separate all of these issues um, when you're thinking about access to care more broadly. Yeah. I mean, it all works in, in tandem to, I mean, really complicate your work, right? You and your colleagues. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and then really trying to identify, um, you know, the, the good policies, too, because I will say, you know, Illinois has been a leader in, in trying to establish protections for patients, for providers, and, you know, create the, the space for access here. But I think um, what we're seeing with this case in Texas is that, yeah, one, you know, one decision out of a Texas court can really have an impact um, on all the states, even those that are, you know, have elected leaders who are trying to maintain access. And and so you and, and the folks you work with, you're responding to these ever-changing legalities of, of mm-hmm. reproductive health, essentially. Yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of, you know, people who are, you know, just really trying to figure out the lay of the land. And that goes from, you know, providers to patients to folks at abortion funds, um, really trying to understand the implications of um, the laws, both in, you know, states like Illinois, but then also for patients that are coming from out of state. And in the case of, you know, states like Idaho, now we're even seeing restrictions on people who can't even can't even leave their home state, or, or that's at least what the right. laws are trying to prevent. Yeah. Yeah, so this is shaping up to likely go before the Supreme Court. Uh, and, and given the court's ruling last year to overturn Roe v. Wade, what's your sense, Lee, on, on whether or not the drug will remain accessible across the country? It's really it's hard to say. I, I mean, I think, you know, we're hoping to see that the, the courts look at the Texas order and, cannot, you know, see the flaws in the arguments. I mean, at both the legal arguments that are flawed as well as the um, reliance on what we think is not good evidence. They don't cite any of the nearly 100 studies that have shown that mifepristone is safe and effective. They um, have very cherry-picked some, you know, non what I would what I would call non-scientific studies um, to, to base their our order on. So I think um, you know what we're hoping to see is that these courts, you know, kind of recognize that there is no basis in this um, argument. But um, we'll be having to watch like everyone else too. That's Lee Hasselbeck, a director of the University of Chicago's Center for Interdisciplinary Inquiry and Innovation in Sexual and Reproductive Health. Thanks so much for your time, Lee. Back now with more Reset. While federal government officials are battling over the future of medication abortion pill mifepristone, some Illinois lawmakers already have plans to make sure reproductive care is still accessible to those in the state. To learn more, we're talking to Democratic Representative Kelly Cassidy. Representative, are you surprised by last Friday's ruling on the FDA's approval of mifepristone? No, I wasn't. We've been monitoring this case very closely, um, as well as participating in the uh, sort of equal and opposite case, if you will, in Washington state that seeks to guarantee uh, um, availability of mifepristone. So we've been preparing for it um, and, and, you know, 
have been waiting to see exactly how it would would shake out. And and obviously, we're still waiting on some of those details. Well, you said you've been watching closely. How long has this been on your radar? You know, time kind of runs together. It feels like uh, (laughs) we've been we have bounced from crisis to crisis on this issue. But it's been a couple of months now since this was um, since this started to bubble up. Um, we've had multiple briefings with, um, you know, staff from the governor's office and the AG's office, as well as our providers and the, and the remainder of the Dobbs working group. So we've stayed on top of it um, and have been participating with our national partners as well. Mm-hmm. Where would you say other state lawmakers' heads are at when it comes to this decision? Um, I think that... You know, there, there's a, there's an eagerness to understand it, which I am grateful for because it is rather complex. You know, you start with this case, you layer on the Washington case, you then talk, start to talk about what you really can and can't do via a lawsuit with the FDA. So um, there's a high level of interest and a high level of concern uh, as to what impact this might have on patients here in Illinois. Um, so so we are we are watching closely, and we've already got language in the works to make sure that we're protecting care here. Yeah, let's dig into that. You're working with other representatives to prepare legislation that would guarantee that Mifepristone's companion drug, mesopristol, um, that it'll be here to stay. So give us more details about how that legislation would work. Sure. So um, along with Senator um, Selena Villanueva, we, uh, who, who helped, uh, you know, who was the Senate sponsor of, the, of PAPA that, that created the protections, um, you know, we started this session out knowing that we were going to have to do more work. So this bill, you know, we put it in at the beginning and started putting on the pieces that needed to be addressed, including this language creating um, a guarantee of coverage for off-label usage of of mesoprostol, as well as, um, you know, frankly, addressing concerns raised by a similar lawsuit that's gotten less attention um, against the Affordable Care Act, which threatens all of our preventative care coverage here in Illinois. So, so those lang- that language, uh, along with some other uh, pieces, are in Senate Bill 1344 that uh, Senator Villanueva passed over to me um, right before the deadline. Yeah. Well, how likely do you think this legislation is to, to pass in Springfield? I, I think that our chances are very good. It passed the Senate um, easily. Um, and like I said, our caucus is very much aware of the role Illinois is playing our responsibility to our providers and our patients to make sure that we're giving them the safest options possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so so there's, there's a great deal of, of interest in ensuring that we remain at the cutting edge uh, here in Illinois. Yeah. Governor Pritzker released a statement Friday about access to Mifepristone in Illinois. It read in part, quote, thanks to the Washington decision, nothing has changed in Illinois, but the Texas court has issued a dangerous decision, unquote. So if this is the case, Representative, then why is it important to take these extra steps with legislation to protect the companion drug? So largely because the courts have been pretty fickle. So we, you know, with the, with the Texas case, they issued a stay until this Friday. I imagine that there will be appeals filed both in Texas and in Washington. How those shake out and which case takes precedent um, or, or takes lead is, is, is one of the questions. And, you know, because of those variables, I think that we have to make sure that we're taking the steps that we need to, to you know, whether that's plan B, C, D, E, or F, we need to have all of them ready to go. Yeah. From your viewpoint, why is it important to keep medical abortions accessible in our state? 
Well, I mean, first and foremost, it is the safest possible option out there. Um, you know, it is safer than Tylenol. It is, it's been on the market um, and in use in this way for more than 20 years with, without incident. Um, and so, you know, first of all, it's because it's healthcare that should be accessible is, is the basic answer. But, you know, what we know is the vast majority of abortions are, are being performed in this way because they're less invasive, less risky. Um, and, and so taking this off the table really puts a lot of people at risk. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will say, I think that the goal of these lawsuits is as much to sow the confusion and fear that people think now that they can't get access to this medication just because they saw a headline. Um, and then maybe that will discourage them from seeking care. Right. So, so it goes beyond just the legality. It really speaks to an effort to to deceive and, and cause confusion. As we've talked about, a separate ruling in Washington seeks to protect access to mifepristone in Washington, D.C. and 17 states, which include ours. So that we're clear, Representative, what authority does Illinois state government really have if the ruling to ban mifepristone is upheld? Like I said, these these dueling suits, I, you know, we have to see what shakes out. Um, and it's I, I swear I'm going, I'm in a briefing every day on on what really? this, what new wrinkle we're dealing with here. Um, there there are meetings, like I said, at the state level as well as with our national partners as we work our way through these various pieces and what the next steps are. Um, so you know, my hope is that we will prevail in Washington and we'll be able to protect access in those states. Yeah, hopefully we don't see more bans on other abortion medications, right? Well, I mean, that's where this gets tricky, right? Um, you know, my my abortion was a medication abortion, and it involved a drug that is used to treat rheumatoid arthritis and many other diseases. You know, as these folks try to get clever, they're actually cutting off access to life-saving medication for other care. Um, this is not the only use for MIFI or MISO. Um, and, and so, you know, these are... These are dangerous games these folks are playing. We've been talking with Democratic State Representative Kelly Cassidy. Thanks so much for taking the time today. Thanks for having me. If you're just tuning in, this is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We're discussing a Texas ruling to ban the FDA's approval of mifepristone, a medical abortion pill that's widely used across the country. As federal officials continue to figure out the drug's future, Illinois service providers have their own plans. So we'll turn now to another voice. Planned Parenthood of Illinois CEO and President Jennifer Welch is on the line now. Welcome back, Jennifer. Thanks for having me. So this ruling, it just happened on Friday, but I do understand that service providers across the state, they've been keeping their eye on this for some time now. When the news first broke of the Alliance for Hippocratic Medicine versus FDA case, what was going through your mind as a leader of care? In Illinois? The first thing that I want to make sure people understand is that medication abortion is still legal and available in Illinois. And that's always the priority of mine at Planned Parenthood of Illinois is making sure our patients understand what's available for them because I agree with Representative Cassidy. Things can be very confusing and people can misunderstand what they read about in the press. Mm-hmm. And so For us, my first thought is how will we make sure patients know that this care is still available for them? Mm -hmm. Any surprises to you, though, with the the rulings? Was the hold of the FDA's approval of mifepristone ever a concern for you? 
we have been monitoring this case for probably at least six months. And so we were very concerned that this very activist judge was going to take this step. Mm-hmm. And we have been preparing for it for that time. So as Lee mentioned, we will be one of the providers that will be switching to a single drug regimen for medication abortion. And in that way, we can still offer our patients the choice if they would have a procedural abortion or a medication abortion with MISO only. Yeah. So as you mentioned, you've been preparing for at least the last six months. And so lots of conversations involved there. Tell us about how you've been communicating with other providers, both ones in our state and out of state. What do the conversations look like? Well, we we have been talking with other providers in and outside of Illinois. And because Illinois is a haven for care, I am talking with providers from other states all the time. Mm -hmm. Since the Dobbs decisions, Planned Parenthood of Illinois has welcomed patients from 35 different states. Think about that. That means that more than half the states in this country have forced patients to travel for abortion care. And Planned Parenthood of Illinois is proud to provide the care that our patients need and deserve. And we have to talk to a lot of -of out-of-state providers as their laws further ban or restrict abortion. Mm -hmm. And they know that their patients will be traveling to Illinois. Yeah, so the the difficulties that you must be hearing from them must be a lot. It it really is. And think of um, a colleague in Florida who anticipates that there will be a very restrictive abortion law passed in her state today, signed by her governor tomorrow. And as early as next week, her patients could be impacted and traveling, adding to the number of states and patients already traveling here to Illinois. Mm -hmm. We know access to abortion pills is the biggest concern, right? What other consequences could we see, Jennifer, if the ban on mifepristone goes into effect this weekend? Honestly, what I'm concerned about is the precedent that it sets. And think about two levels of precedent. One is a court's decision to block the FDAs of a medication, this is unprecedented, and it could have dire consequences, dire health consequences nationwide for miscarriage and abortion care, especially when the judge ignores all evidence and science and declares a decades-old approval unlawful. My concern is what drugs will they come for next if this Texas case succeeds? Mm -hmm. It sets a devastating legal precedent, and I am concerned that people who oppose access to sexual and reproductive health care will come next for not only the other abortion medication, but for birth control, for drugs that we use in gender-affirming care. I'm very concerned about what will happen next to our patients. Yeah, I mean, to to that end, as we've been discussing, uh, another pill commonly used in conjunction with mifepristone is mesoprostol. Could that be a viable alternative? It is the alternative that we will be using at Planned Parenthood of Illinois if the FDA instructs us that we can no longer use mifepristone. Yeah. Um, but but the, the point 
that I feel this case is really making is that overturning Roe v. Wade was not enough for the extreme anti-abortion activists. They're set on further restricting mm-hmm. access to abortion, to birth control, and to other sexual and reproductive health care. Well, are, are there downsides, though, to relying on only misoprostol? A misoprostol medication abortion regimen will probably take longer for each patient. The patient will have to take multiple doses of the medication, and that has big impacts for patients who are forced to travel here for care because of bans and restrictions in their home states. So somebody will now have to stay in Illinois or move to another state where abortion is legal to complete their misoprostone medication abortion regimen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the governor and the Illinois Department of Health Care and, and Family Services, they're pledging to help providers across the state stock up on misoprostol. Do you think that's the right move? I think that it is very helpful to know that the medications will be available and continue to be covered by Medicaid and, and, and private insurance because we will have more patients seeking this care than ever before. How else can the state support reproductive care providers, Jennifer? Well, the state, including the governor's office, Illinois Attorney General Kwame Raoul, and representatives like Representative Cassidy and many members of the General Assembly have been working with Planned Parenthood of Illinois, Planned Parenthood Illinois Action, other providers for years now to make sure that Illinois is a haven for care. And we are very grateful to everything that they've done and look forward to continued partnerships, especially as extreme judicial decisions continue to restrict care. What could this mean for Illinois as one Midwest state that just continues to be this safe haven for reproductive care? I mean, if Mifepristone, if it stopped being widely available across the nation, do you expect more and more people to travel to our state and states like ours for care? It may. It may be, especially because this is happening at the same time that some states, for example, Florida, are passing more restrictions on abortion care. So there are many things happening that are decreasing the options for patients and increasing the likelihood that they will have to travel for care. Your final thoughts on this issue? I am very glad you're covering this important issue, and please, I want all your listeners to understand that medication abortion is still legal and available in Illinois. And even if this extreme decision goes forward, we will continue to offer medication abortion options to patients. That's Jennifer Welch, the president and CEO of Planned Parenthood of Illinois. Thank you so much. This episode of Reset was produced by Micah Yason and Michael Liptrot, and it was edited by Andrew Merriweather and Meha Ahmed. If you love hearing about important national stories and how they connect with our city and state, then make sure that you're subscribed to our podcast and to give us a follow on TikTok and Twitter. That's it for Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We'll talk to you this afternoon.
Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.